Joyride podcast. John is my name. And Ian is my name. I don't know why I said that that accent, but yep. It's great. Love it. And uh, we come to you this week, listener, as COP26 is just about to start. Or really? They haven't haven't mentioned that in the news much. (laughs) I mean, I suppose the reason I'm bringing it up now is, you know, you currently live around about 20 miles from the epicentre of the Earth's climate mm. battleground, I guess. The future of the Earth is being waged right now. Yeah. I, 20, I, 25 miles from where I live. Is there a local impact? Do you feel there is a sense that, that that's happening so close to your door? No. Oh. No, not, not remotely. No, not at all. Um, I mean, I've seen a few people on Facebook saying that they've had some dignitaries having to stay in largs because there's not a lot of accommodation in Glasgow, but that's it. Yes, I did think that... There, I did read something somewhere where... Um, I think it was... Was it Ecuadorians? Um, some South American country, anyway, who's obviously... Whose dignitaries, in inverted commas, don't have the same amount of money as uh, other countries. Um, and they were being put up by random Glaswegians. Mm. Um, in a in a sort of um, hands across the water type thing to try and help protect the planet, which I thought was kind of sweet. Yes, I, I think the problem in Scotland, certainly from my point of view, is that like the Scottish government were told not to be just just don't get involved with us. This. this isn't for you. This is just a UK thing. Um, right. Boris said he didn't want Nicola Sturgeon there because she might try and make a case for independence. You know, at this really crucial climate conference, Nicola, I think, I think we know Boris doesn't want Nicola Sturgeon there because she'll look competent and he won't, yes. and that's purely why none of the devolved administrations are allowed to send anybody because every single one of them would be more proficient than Boris at doing it. Mm. Although, in saying that, they have picked as president of COP twenty six Alex Sharma, who is a dynamic politician. Yes, that's an odd. Choice, Another stretch. It's a very because I was listening to the Guardian podcast this week. And they were doing a profile on maybe it wasn't maybe it was the New Statesman, but one of the politics podcasts I listened to were doing a they did a sort of profile piece on Alex Sharma, and it was there's nothing. It was just like he's a politician, he's a conservative. <sighs> that was basically it. There was there was nothing he hadn't done. I mean, maybe that's why because he's not he's not one that's really been at the center of any scandals. But at the same time, he's not really done anything good either. He's just there. Yeah, it's it feels very odd. I mean, you just know, you know for a fact that this last two weeks, this conference, doesn't it? And in two weeks' time, the Daily Mail, the Times, the Sun, um, and the Telegraph will all have, and the Daily Express, sorry, obviously, will all have headlines about how Boris has saved the world. Mm. I mean, it won't have, and when they actually look into the detail, they'll see that it, it's a lot of, you know, flash, but very little substance. But we will endure two or three days of headlines of Boris has saved the world. Which, But there's, but there's not going to be any headlines to say Alex Sharma saved the world. 
No, I don't think so. I think, and that that's one... probably why he's been chosen. Exactly. Because exactly. if you pick somebody, you know, like Michael Gove, somebody that we actually know, you could have by Gove he's done it. You know, as the headline, yeah. like by Gove he's saved the world. But with Alex Sharma, I mean, what are you going to have as the headline with his? I mean, his name is not even good for doing that. That's a Sharma of a politician. No, that's not even a good one. There's not even yeah. like a positive. I can't think of a positive headline you could get from Alok Sharma. I look at that. Oh, that's good. Uh, Thank God we didn't send Keir Sharma. <laughs> I just think, yeah, he's, he's there entirely so that, that if there yes. is any glory to be had, Mr. Johnson can, can claim it. Yeah. Uh, well, it means if, it's if it doesn't go well, no one cares because they don't know who Alex Sharma is. And if it goes well, no one will care that it was him that did it because they don't know who he is. And Boris can like come yes. out holding like a piece of celery or something like that and celebrate being green again with his slippers, his sandals on. And his carrots after last week's comments. Were, yes, yeah. and I just think I think it's very odd. I was I was speaking to my sister this week, who is much more um, environmentally conscious than I am, and um, and she's um, she's really despairing to be honest about the fact that you know she, she feels that we've already missed the bus. Um, mm. She feels that in actual fact, this this deal needed to be done ten years ago, fifteen years ago. And and we haven't, and and we missed that opportunity. And I think what what was interesting is I've spent much of my um, um, sort of political thinking um, about the fact that our parents' generation, I've I always just refer to them as the golden generation because they're the generation that got everything. Yeah. You know, they got free university tuition, they got NHS, they got the first proper education, you know, secondary school education, they got you know good pensions etc they, they they benefited from all of that including our parents generation that they got to send their own kids to university and it didn't cost them that a huge amount of money either uh because grants were still available for the most part um and they are responsible for a lot of the planet's ills yes but this is happening and has happened on our watch in our adulthood, we haven't, as a as a generation, uh, managed to muster the willpower, the the gumption to actually really do anything about climate change. Well, we, we haven't. I mean, part of that is probably to do with the fact that the golden generation you're talking about are largely still there. I mean, it comes to votes, they still hold sway. I mean, Brexit wouldn't have happened without the golden generation voting for it. No, Boris yeah. wouldn't have got his huge majority without the golden generation voting for him. And Scottish, and also, Scottish independence might have yeah. happened if it wasn't for the golden generation voting against it. Exactly. So that is, I mean, as much as we can say, well, we're adults in our mid-40s, it's our fault. It's not really. Because if you look at how people our age generally have voted, we voted for more progressive parties and more progressive governments. But it's the old ones, it's the golden generation who still vote Tory, who still vote for the status quo, not doing anything about the environment, just carry on, especially, you know, the older ones. And that's a really horrible thing to say, but for somebody who's really old, there is probably an element of, well, you know, I'll be dead soon. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, I love my kids and my grandkids, but not as much as I love my big car and flying abroad several times a year. That's better. That's, that's tangible. True. That's true. I mean, I think I think our generation, though, hasn't done what it might have i think i think that's no. thing on a personal level i think uh, not perhaps i agree with you on a sort of um 
nationwide and indeed Western Hemisphere mm. level. Yeah, you're right. But you mean things like making individual choices and lifestyle choices that we as a generation and as a whole have not embraced yeah, environmentalism. I, I mean, you see with the younger, like the kids now, like school kids and university students are far more environmentally friendly than we were when we were at school or at university. And I don't know if it's just because the we seem closer to more, you know, to global annihilation than we've ever seen seem to be. I mean, the thing is, you talked about how, like, your sister thinks it's too late. I remember 10 years ago, they said, oh, we need to act in the next 10 years. You know, we need to yeah. do that. And now they're saying the same thing. They're saying, like, yeah, we've only got 10 years before we can save this. It's like, you say this every 10 years, like, we've only got 10 years. Because then you can just kick it into the long grass and go, like, we've only got 10 years. But, I mean, I've listened to a lot of people this week, a lot of scientists, not politicians, actual scientists, saying, if we don't act in the next couple of years, it is too late to reverse climate change. And we are looking at eventual life on Earth being not what it is right now. Yeah. And I don't, I still don't think folk care that much. I don't think they do. I think, I think, I think it's. I was watching. I watched a clip of something, um, rather than watching the whole program. I think it was on that Jeremy Vine. Well, do you know what is good to be informed? You best to it watch is. the clip. Exactly. No, Jerry. I, I think it's just quite a good analogy. The, the Jeremy Vine. Um, um, Channel 5 thing, it was Ash Sarker that was on it who, you mm. know, um, agree with sometimes, disagree with others and she kind of made a really good point I felt, which was that people aren't willing to react to climate change because they don't think it affects them and they get so frustrated and so annoyed by these insulate yeah, people yeah, yeah. and stuff and she was like, but what people don't realise is when there's flooding in, in parts of London in the southeast of England which is partly a product of climate change, people just kind of roll their eyes at that mm-hmm. and just kind of go, oh, Britain going downhill in it. Yeah. You know, it's Bloody not a case of... British weather. Yeah, it's not a case of actually thinking to yourselves, well, why is this happening much more frequently? Yeah. Why is this? Why are these extreme weathers happening more? And, and I just think that we, we, we don't. We're kind of like the, the frog in the boil, pan of boiling water. Um, is you there... look at that town in Germany that got decimated yeah. because of climate change and again I thought well this is a game changer I actually see this in mainland Europe a whole town completely devastated loads of deaths, loads of houses just gone mm. Nobody, within two days they were talking about something else I thought I well thought... this is it surely people are going to sit up and take notice this is actually happening in Europe now this is happening in a wealthy country in Europe but two days later no, across the world like, people just, just not bothered and I think I think one of the things is what w- what's odd is is we I mean not odd it's been an inevitable process I think but we are so in this country now in, in, in the UK as a whole but certainly England as its sort of main um, main protagonist is that we're so insular and mm. only refer to foreign countries as if we're better than them as if we're somehow outdoing them or they're somehow worse off than we are. And I think that what what's interesting about Germany, of course, is Germany for years now has had really um, the Green Party has been intrinsic to the German political system. You know, they've they've held ministerial posts, they've they've had deputy prime ministerships, they've or deputy chancellor, they've 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 had all of these roles in 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 Germany, and they have made vast changes. We as a as a nation. Um, 
kind of pat ourselves on the back hugely because Brighton has voted mm. Caroline Lucas in. But yet, when the Scottish government put the you know the SNP announced that they were going into sort of a, a relationship with the Greens, where the Greens would you know Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater would have government positions, the Douglas Ross, the leader of the Scottish Tories, called them extremists and said that this is the danger of voting SNP. They're not only separatists, they're extremists. They're going into bed with this extremist party. And that's the problem, is that people of a kind of conservative nature see green politics as extremism. Yeah. It's not. If anything, the kind of status quo that we have right now, that's extremist, because they are acting like terrorists in a way, you know, like environmental hmm. terrorists, in terms of like the way their actions are impacting on the planet. It's being destructive then, definitely. The idea yeah. of little Patrick Harvey as an extremist is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's also, of course, everything, everything in Scotland uh, has to be viewed through the prism of independence. Hmm. It's the only way to look at things. I mean, I'm, I know it's not, but you know what I mean is that's the way... But it is. That's, when, you watch, when you watch the news or you listen to any discussion, it always comes back to independence. From both sides, everything is framed yeah. around yeah. Um, I, independence. I, I, and so all that anyone took away, and it's so sad actually in many ways, is that, and I mean again, not people that are taking a real interest in Scottish politics, but those people who, who see the five-minute clips on Jeremy Vine, for example, uh, all they take away from the idea that the Greens are in a power-sharing agreement in Scotland is that it brings independence one step closer, potentially. It's yeah. not about anything to do with their other policies. And I think that, and I think Again, it's that myopia. It's it's just nobody can see beyond the most basic, um, you know, the most basic tribes at the moment. And obviously, the tribe that we currently have leading the country is um, is extremely, like you say, dangerous in a sense. In that sense of, of of being destructive towards the environment. And I think obviously you've got your your media who to who don't really take an interest in environmentalism apart from whether in parts of middle England mm. are flooded. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's the only time they take an interest. Um, and I, I think it's just so sad. And, I, and again, I mean, I, I lament myself is that how much have I really done mm. really? I mean, you know, I've given money to Greenpeace for the last 20 odd years um, every month. So that's one little Mm-hmm. fig leaf <laughs> that I can say well I've done that but you know I still I've, I've, I drive I you know I don't mm-hmm. use public transport hardly ever um, I, I what what do I do I mean I suppose I don't use that many carrier bags you recycle I recycle but that's uh, but that's because we have to now exactly it's because we, we only started to. recycling when they started giving us different bins and we kind of had to because yeah. we ran out of bin space when they when they started <laughs> taking our normal bins away every three weeks, we yeah. didn't have a choice. We had to start recycling things. And and I think that that's kind of that that's the sort of that's that kind of nudge thing that you can kind of absolve yourself by because you're kind of like well, my kids. Yeah, well, my kids are much more bothered about recycling than I am. Yeah. Sometimes I'll put a piece of like a small little bit of cardboard into the normal bin, and the kids are like, "Dad, that's that's recyclable. We'll put that in the right bin." And I'm just like, oh. Because like we the way we have it in our house is like the bin is there in the kitchen, but to get to the paper bin and the plastic bin, you have to open a cupboard under the sink. I mean, it's <laughs> not it's not like I have to climb a ladder and negotiate my way past barbed wire. It's just a slightly little bit more effort. Yeah. But even me, I will sometimes be like, oh, I'll just put it in the normal bin. It's yeah, 
yeah. And it's my my kids are the ones they're the kind of like the conscience will go like, no, that's plastic, put that in the plastic bin. That's that's paper that put that in the paper bin. And it, and it gives you hope, I think. It gives you hope that they're more switched on and they're more thoughtful about it. In the way that, you know, I'm sure certain certain progressive parents from our generation, our parents' generation, would have seen us being, you know, more empathetic and more uh, mm. thoughtful about, say, homosexuality or racism, you know, in, in a way. And, and, and that would have been a positive. And so, but it's an awful long time before, you know. know, those personal changes, will they... For example, and this is this is what really needs to change is that, you know, when your kids uh, all begin to turn 17, 18, 19 years old, they won't want to learn how to drive. No, because even making cars, even Teslas to create a Tesla, uh, you know, and to run a Tesla requires electricity. Yes, better than petrol. But how do you create that electricity at the moment? It's oil and gas. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so will they not want to drive? And then again, you come back to this whole idea of, well, if it's certainly where you live, if they don't want to drive and they want to go anywhere other than the city of Glasgow, then public transport is really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so it's that chicken and egg, isn't it? Is that, you know, to change that part of their lifestyle, something else has to change first. Yeah. But how do you change the, how do you change, the, I mean, both you and I, I mean, we don't use public transport and I'm not um, uh, trying to trying to absolve myself here. But if you, on your average day, if you were to look at a bus driving down the middle of your, the village where you live, there's about four people on it. Yeah. So why would a bus company run more buses? Absolutely no incentive whatsoever. <laughs> and it's so difficult. It is, it's, it's, I know. Uh, and the thing is. Well, you know, the, well, go yeah. on. No, sorry, I was going to say, do we have our best minds on it? Is Alex Sharma really the point? No. But, I mean, all the money we spend on... I mean, it's like tokenism. Even, like, giving that money towards the boiler thing that Boris yeah. didn't really want to do. I mean, the biggest problem does seem to be cars. The issue we have is that electric cars aren't cheap. Like, really, unaffordably not cheap. For, a, like, a normal, a normal working family... You're looking at, I mean, to get a fully electric car, you're probably looking to be spending at least £30,000. Now, for yes. some people, that's just, that's unaffordable. Yeah, anybody um, working really in the public sector and their entire job, you know, anyone and you normal think public sector. of the money that we wasted on Track and Trace. You think of the money we waste on Trident. Again, not friendly to the environment. The money we spend on Trident renewal every few years and the money we spent on Track and Trace. And you think how much money you could have invested in electric cars or a greener option for transport? Because that is the biggest problem is cars. And there's no... I know they say, oh, we're going to make it that you can't buy diesel cars in five years or 10 or 50. But again, kicking it into the long grass. But we're not dealing with the problem that these cars right now are not affordable to most normal people. They can't afford a 30, 40,000 pound car. No, and, and, and I mean, we will do the market always kind of, you know, um, the market works enough that it, it will become affordable. But like you say, as we're in a cri- climate crisis, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it might become affordable. Like any kind of new technology, when it comes out, it's unaffordable. You know, like when a, t- when yeah. a new kind of telly comes out, it's normally like five grand and then eventually it's like 500 pounds in Argos. Exactly. But, but we don't have, we don't have go... five years or 10 years yeah. for electric cars to become normal and cost what? petrol diesel cars currently cost yeah exactly and i think that 
that's where we're really struggling is, is how do you make those changes and how do you make those changes quickly? Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, we grew up, um, again, as part of the Scottish education system and we, we kind of, we got lessons on environmentalism. I think mm-hmm. it was chemistry, I think, probably yeah. we got most of it about, um, you know, climate change and global warming. Probably if you had geography as well, it was in there. Yeah. But, uh, but there's all this talk about, you know, the British, we're an island, sea power yeah we'll be able to and they would i remember 20 25 years ago more than that now when i was at school reading the textbooks and they're saying well we don't quite have the technology yet to make it cost effective but it's very close i know and, and you just know that if we'd thrown half the money at, at that i mean i'm not meaning just governments here i'm meaning companies um private businesses if you'd thrown half the money at that that they invested in in you know like private equity firms invested in facebook and amazon and, mm. and google then then we'd be self-sufficient in terms of clean energy of course. Now, in britain at well, least maybe not everywhere you look, but at, in britain. you look you look at how quick the government were to chuck money at covid last year when a, mm. an emergency was we were facing an emergency but yeah. for some reason a climate emergency because it's not because it's not immediate. We're not seeing the day after tomorrow. It's not like that. It's not like no. ever the, the, the Queen's helicopter's frozen mid-flight. None <laughs> of that's happening. If that were to happen, then yes, suddenly the money would become available. Yeah. You know, if we need to bomb a country, the mm. money's available right there, right then. If we have a pandemic and we need to furlough everybody, the money is mm. there. If we need to give Dido Harding more money to buy more horses, the, that's fine. The money is there for that. Mm. But when the, the you're very realistically looking at the world changing forever, ah, well, we'll do it in ten years' time. Yeah, it's 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 funny you mentioned that the very thing that we, as you were sort of talking there and, and saying about that the money can be made available. Um, I've been watching because uh, I was seeing my sister this weekend, and what always tends to happen when I go and see my sister for a few days is that as she has young children, uh, they rarely get to watch television or they get to watch one episode of TV a night. So for the three nights we were there, we watched the same television program, like, you know, one episode per night. And it was the Blair versus Brown TV show. All right. That makes it sound like a game show. But the documentary about New Labour. And we only watched the first three episodes, so we didn't quite reach Iraq yet. Mm. Uh, But Jenny, Jenny, my sister, was getting very frustrated because watching it because... basically the vast majority of the program is about the bickering between the pair of them mm-hmm. you know and, and 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 how they be, almost became sidetracked and and they lost the the flow of where they were going uh, and she kind of she she kind of puts you know if only this and if only that and if only the next thing uh although she is much more self reflective of, of the fact that she's not done enough and i was like oh yeah if you've not done enough you've done way more than me um but the interesting thing about that is is that they seem to be trying to make the country better in -hmm. those four years 97 to 2001 they really did seem to be trying to make a difference and you thought to yourself oh if al gore had won the 2000 presidential election Mm -hmm. and you know there were potential opportunities to avert 9-11 if the bush administration had actually Mm -hmm. read the memos um then we could be living in a very different world here. And the 9, 10, 12, 15, 25 billion that Britain spent on Iraq and Afghanistan could have been spent 
on climate, just like the trillions of dollars that were spent on Iraq and America could have been spent on the climate emergency if Al Gore had been in charge. And we almost had the sliding doors moment then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you wonder if, you know, in a in hundred years time, if they'll be reading the history books by candlelight, mm. you know, or, you know, well, not even books, there'll be parchment, parchment by candlelight. And that will be the key moment. I wonder whether the 2000 presidential election might be the absolute key moment. Well, where... which, which horribly for anyone that was interested was a ridiculously controversial election. I mean, yeah. I read a number of books that suggested that Al Gore should have been president. If it wasn't for Jed Bush, he probably would have been. Um, yeah. And that's the frustrating thing is because the sliding doors moment probably should have happened. But yeah. didn't. Yeah, it was an injustice in many and ways. And we wouldn't have had, you know, we wouldn't have, maybe we wouldn't have had Trump, you know, the, the sort of Trumpism, which has had a lot to do with the environment as well, because that Trump is one of these people that's quite, you know, he's sceptical about global warming being a thing because it's cold sometimes in winter. And and there's an increasingly large number. The same people who are sceptical about masks and vaccines yes. are the people who are sceptical about uh, climate change being real. Even though you see being decimated by floods that that, mm. that wasn't happening five ten years ago but these same people are like yeah but is it the environment though is it isn't it just it's a conspiracy really... is it just a conspiracy they're just trying to control us it's like yeah they're trying to destroy the world to control us they're trying to make you wear a mask to control us yeah yeah, yeah obviously that is how the government works totally yeah. it's uh, it's it's a difficult one i think i think i, I think it's, it's easy to be sad after after a conversation like this but actually the mm. the thing we've got to hope for is that that like you yeah. say the, the generation beneath us um when i say the generation beneath us i mean the ones that are in their sort of late 20s yeah. early 30s yeah. um, and and younger hopefully they have a handle on this in the way that that, that we don't and they can yeah. make a difference and hopefully they don't decide well we'll vote for a man that went to the united nations to talk about the environment and quote Kermit the frog well we can only hope, in can't we? earnestness as well like he genuinely <laughs> thought that was yeah that was the right call. That was like he was pitch perfect there with that, like quoting Kermit the Frog at the UN. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. that was good because before we did this, we said we're not going to mention Boris. We're not going to talk about politics because we did that last week, and we've just done twenty minutes about. Well, we've maybe been more environmental today than political. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I think that 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 you know, COP twenty six is happening. We should probably have acknowledged it and, and, and think about it and. Um, but yeah, we 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 can move on, and uh, you know, next week we might talk about I don't know sweets from the nineteen eighties or something. I don't know. Probably not. We'll probably talk about why like digital stuff is good, like we usually do, or yeah, why it's, why we can't go to video shops and music shops because we've done that I think three times. <laughs> we always end we up have. talking yeah, about that. Yeah, we true. We've not gone that nostalgic for a while. Maybe we'll go nostalgic next week. Yeah, we'll uh, find something to be nostalgic about in November. Yes. Uh, but anyway, right, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, you know, turn off your light switches when you leave the room and, you know, recycle and, and try and do your best. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween, everyone. Bye. <laughs>